Andrew Giuliani wants to be the next governor of New York. Andrew Giuliani. I shouldn't fumble your last name because that's key here, Andrew. It's not that Andrew. On the Red Apple Podcast Network, here's Andrew Giuliani. Welcome back. We have a very special guest today, and this is actually the beginning of what we're going to be doing with some of our great city council candidates all across New York City, where over the next month, we're going to be interviewing, uh, I think, some great candidates, some people that you should be considering voting for on June 27th, and then again uh, in November, if we're going to take back New York City, and if we're going to make the city council reasonable again, we'll put it that way. Uh, But let me start by introducing Christy Marmorado, who's running for City Council District 13. Christy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, of course. Well, thank you very much for being here. So uh, I know you're a healthcare worker, Christy. Yes. Tell, tell people a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. So I was born, raised, and educated in the Bronx. I grew up in one part of my district that I'm running for in Throg's Neck. And then I currently reside on the other side of the district with my family in Morris Park. I am a wife, a mother, and I have two elderly parents living in our district. I have served my public, but in a healthcare setting, I just chose to do it that way. I knew at a young age, watching my father as an FDNY, I saw how he got out there and he helped the public. And I just, I wanted to do it, not as a firewoman, but as a healthcare worker, it was very important to me. So I graduated about 23 years ago from CUNY Hostos on the Grand Concourse as a radiologic technologist. I served my community for 16 years in the district. And what I do is not much different than happens in politics. Mm -hmm. I work with a team of highly skilled individuals and we devise a plan of action. We care for people when they're at their most vulnerable vulnerable, stages in life and our community is kind of at its most vulnerable. So I do believe that my training and skill set will translate well once I start running for city council and I'm in that role. Right. Um, I'm just really a community girl, neighborhood girl. I started to really get heavily involved over the summer with the community associations, community board meetings, Mm -hmm. and just really getting my feet with with everything. Yeah. Uh, So in radiology, I guess the kind of question that I want to ask is um, how, I don't want to even say how does it relate to politics, because I really think some of the people who are best in politics actually have success in other fields before (laughs) they get uh, into political life, if you will. Uh, So what, what inspired you then, I guess, to decide to run for city council? Over the summer, they proposed a project 500 feet from my house. And I'm not a politician. I was never involved politically. I would help with petitions and, you know, around voting time. But I started to see how there was a lack of listening from our leadership, how they were not there. You could not get anybody on the phone. You could not reach out to anybody. And it seemed like they only showed up when it was beneficial to them. Right. And that really was concerning to me. Yeah. You know, I feel like we need people that are going to be there at almost everything or as much as possible because you want that sense of confidence in somebody that's guiding and running your community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, was the project the Tent City project? Was it a different project? <sighs> no, this, the project was the Just Home Initiative. Just Home Initiative. And that is a property or a building on Jacoby mm-hmm. a Hospital campus. It's building two and it's zoned for residential. And they would like to put pre-trial detainees and former, what is it, justice-involved individuals on the campus and allow them to live there who are homeless. At first, it was medically complex. Then it was just a diagnosis. And now it's just a substance abuse issues or 
um, mental illness yeah. and they're free to roam the community. Wow. And five, that's 500 feet from your 500 feet from door. my house. And there's no buses that go through that yeah. by that property. There's no supermarkets in that area. You're also setting these people up for failure because you're putting them into from one institutionalized setting mm-hmm. right into another. And, you know, the only one that's going to be- benefit from it is Jacoby Hospital mm-hmm. and the Fortune Society who's going to run the project for right. them. You know, when I, my wife and I, when we talk about our life and, and future uh, and the future of New York, we now as parents, we talk about it through our daughter's eyes. And I couldn't imagine if that was 500 feet from my front door, uh, what that would mean for potentially her safety, what would that would mean for using the parks, for being able to go outside and do the things that uh, I think any child should have the freedom to do. Yes. And what's scary is, is these people can refuse medical treatment and they are they measure it by these individuals not landing back in jail. So because of bail reform or the law, they could continue to commit crimes just as long as they don't end up in jail. So me and my child can get robbed on the way from our front door to our car every single day, and nothing is going to happen to these individuals. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, to me, it's mind-boggling. As, as somebody who saw uh, the city turn from being uh, a, a very dangerous city in the '70s and yes. '80s to uh, you know the, the safest city in America, to Absolutely. have the playbook, and you know such a big part of that. And uh, you know, I think obviously the mayor's office first, uh, a guy who I'm a little biased toward, Rudy Giuliani, and then Bloomberg gets a lot of credit for the transformation. But really, the city council had a lot to do with it as well. And and even though he was a Democrat, Peter Vallone had a lot to do with the yes. fact that he would actually work. With the mayor's office and say, you know what, we may not agree on every issue, but we do agree that we need to make our city a safer place Absolutely. with a better quality of life. So so to that point, what type of legislation would you be interested in pushing if elected to the city council? I would definitely love to see more funding for our, our police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, my community is a the crime rates are a little bit lower compared to the rest of the city. Mm-hmm. But they're starting to increase. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see a change in our neighborhood because of that. Last night, I got a citizen's app text that uh, our deli just got robbed by gunpoint at really? 3 a.m. Oh, and it was goodness. never like yeah. Like, I grew up in the same city. It was yeah. so safe. You can walk on the streets in the city at no matter what time. You right. weren't concerned. You didn't think twice. Now, you're thinking twice at 5 in the afternoon. You're always looking over your back. And it shouldn't be like that, especially not in my community. Right. It was never like that. Yeah. And we need we need more police funding. We need to see more police and patrol cars in our community. We need a bigger presence. And um, I would like to be able to support the NYPD to allow them to do the jobs that they were trained to do, Mm -hmm. because that's important as well. And that's protecting our families and our community. Yeah. Well, I I always look and say uh, to have a good quality of life, not just in New York City, but really in any major city, in any small town, Right. You need to make sure that that you support our police officers and and that they have the opportunity to do the job that they were hired to do. Right. Well, tell me a little bit about Marjorie Marjorie Velasquez, the (laughs) sitting city council member of District 13. Tell me about her from your perspective. So from my perspective, she lied to the community. She straight was honest, said, we are going to fight this upzoning on Bruckner Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And she basically went and changed her mind in the 11th hour, right before she made the vote. And she asked for voter deference. She got the city council to vote for the upzoning in a community that cannot absorb the increase of apartments. So I don't know what happened or where the change took place. As far as that, uh, to me, it was just not a good thing. Um, As well as she's 
She pushed through a legislation for uh, reducing plastics and takeout orders for the city, which is a little out of tune with what's actually happening with the city. I feel police presence is like a major factor that we need to increase (laughs) instead of reducing plastics. And and I am an environmentalist. I feel like less is more. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. But and and what ends up happening is these restaurants wind up with fines and they're already struggling. Yeah. So it's like she's not really supportive of small businesses mm-hmm. as well, which could be an issue because they're the backbone of our community. Absolutely. They are the true American dream. And if we don't have small businesses, we don't survive. Yeah. Businesses, if if they feel first and first, like you said, that you're going to have businesses robbed at gunpoint at three o'clock right. in the morning on right. top of the fact that they're uh, political leaders are going to then go after them with fines right. because uh, they're putting in a catch up. Exactly. Yeah. Then, then we have uh, we have real issues, and, and right. you see how this is going to continue to make people question whether or not they want to uh, raise their raise their family in the mm-hmm. city or not. Um, you mentioned upzoning, and I know that's a massive issue in yes. District 13. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about upzoning, and, and recently, what's happened over the last uh, few years. So we are a low density community. Mm-hmm. Uh, our community, District 13, is, and I'm smiling because yeah. it really is the suburb of the city. Yeah. You know, we live in such a nice, quiet area. Mm-hmm. So when they proposed the original Bruckner upzoning, they wanted to add, I think, 340 or 339 apartments right. in this one little section. I lived around the block from there. I had an apartment from that area, around that area for two years. And when I heard this, I was like, ooh, this is not going to work out very well. Yeah. It's overcrowded. Mm-hmm. The infrastructure cannot handle it. Mm-hmm. The school was so crowded already that yep. they built an entire extension extension onto the school, like a huge extra building. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't even drive over there for pickup and drop off of the kids Mm -hmm. because it's just insane. Parents are like double, triple parked. You can't get through. It's dangerous for the kids. It is very dangerous for the kids. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, The supermarket was kind of small. It wasn't really a big supermarket. Mm -hmm. So that whole project just seems like a disaster from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as upzoning, they want to continue that throughout the rest of our district. Really? So we have two Metro North stations mm-hmm. coming in District 13, right. which is the Van Ness and the Morris Park station. Right. And in, by each train station, they want to build about 3,000 apartments, so 6,000 really? apartments in total. You know, it's one of these things where New York City is such a diverse city. And, you know, you have incredible neighborhoods like Throg's Neck, like Morris Park, which allow it to be deserved, diverse. You don't need everything to look like Midtown Manhattan, right? right? right. It's a, let, let different neighborhoods be unique. And I think that's one of the strengths of New York City. And it right. sounds certainly like this is something that they want to take away and make yes. kind of cookie cutter. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unfortunate. Listen, the upzoning for the Morris Park Van Ness Station can be positive. Mm-hmm. but not to the extent that they want. They right. want to put up 20-story buildings. Yeah. We don't want 20-story buildings. We we will compromise to a 10 or an 8. We're okay with something like that. We know we need to do our fair share, mm-hmm. and we're willing to do that, but we also want to do it in the right way. Mm-hmm. We don't want to turn them into homeless shelters. Yeah. We don't want to turn them into all completely low-end housing. Yeah. We want to bring something to our community where they can be co-ops and condos, where we're actually bringing in money to the government, right. not just shelling it out. Yeah. I think that's a great perspective. Uh, I know it's been so important. Now, you've been outspoken, and I mentioned this before, about Tent City. Yes. I remember actually you actually went on Fox News to yes. talk about this yes. when this happened. Tell me about your perspective on that as it was going on. So it was it was concerning because you had the borough president 
reaching out to the mayor saying or making a statement saying this is a flood zone. Mm -hmm. You have the current councilwoman saying that she's going to increase police presence at the 45th, 49th and 47th precincts Mm -hmm. because there's no in and out of the area with buses and stuff like that. So she was concerned. Um, As a person who frequents the beach a lot, I go there walking with my daughter and there's a really nice play park right in the area. It was kind of concerning because now you're going to have over a thousand, I think it was a thousand single men. Yeah. You're going to have a thousand single men just roaming the area. Yeah. And and I'm not comfortable going there. I'm not saying that everybody's bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, it's going to be a disaster. But now you're increasing a presence of individuals there who cannot get in and out of Orchard Beach mm-hmm. very easily. And and it's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. And and the fact that these, they were unaccounted for. We didn't yes. know their backgrounds, right? We don't right? know but them. Like you said, I'm sure most were good people, um, but we didn't have any accountability with right. who we actually were letting into Orchard Beach. Right. right. So tell me a little bit in your words then about District 13. Tell me a little bit about the neighborhoods. Tell me what you love about it. Tell me what you love to see improved about it Okay. as a city council member. So I am District 13. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Throgs Neck. Yeah. I lived in Pelham Bay right. by the upzoning and um, country club with my okay. parents. And then I moved to Morris Park. So I have a great support system in throughout the entire district. I understand the dynamics of the community. Um, Throgsnack is a little bit more quiet. Mm -hmm. There's less buses and no trains going to the area. Morris Park is a little more fast. You have more buildings. You have more restaurants. Um, You have down by Van Ness. It's Little Yemen. Mm -hmm. And their business district is blowing up so much. They keep opening these brand new businesses, restaurants, crepe places. It's it's fabulous. Like I said, they are the true American dream. They come to this country, they open up a store and they're beautiful. They're bright. They really add value to our community, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Mm-hmm. We have City Island mm-hmm. and Locust Point. They're all seaside communities. And yeah, we have just, it really is such a great place to live. Yeah. I mean, I always felt safe there as mm-hmm. a kid. I could take my bike out and go all over the place. I've taken my bike and went from country club all the way through Orchard Beach on my own and not even thought twice about it because, you know, it was a safe place. Nothing was going to happen to mm-hmm. me. Now, I don't think I would be able to do that. I'm a little concerned. Yeah. So. And, and for such a, uh, I mean, such a wonderful area of New York City, that's very, very sad to hear. It is. It, yeah. is, it is. It is. And every, anytime I feel like now with all this like increased building and stuff like that, any kind of lot that you see in our community is just like taken over. They try to throw up a three, four family house in the lot. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we were not used to that. You know, that's not what the community was about. Right. Well, I know we've mentioned upzoning. I know we've we've certainly mentioned funding the police. Uh, what issues in your mind, and you could say upzoning police, but <clears throat> what other issues do you think are so important to District 13 in your community? Education. Education. So I am... A parent. Mm-hmm. I have my child in a private school. Mm-hmm. I myself was a product of private and public education within the district. Okay. And I feel like it's up to a parent's choice to choose what type of education best fits their child. I agree. I believe in charter schools. Mm-hmm. I've seen studies where charter school students outperform public school students. Yeah. And I don't feel like there should be a cap on successful education. Yeah. Um, what's unfortunate in our community, our parochial schools keep closing. Yeah. At the end of this year in our district, there are definitely at least two of them that I know of. Really? Yes. Oh, that's terrible. It is terrible because I went I went to a, a Catholic grammar mm-hmm. school and 
I'd like to help implement or increase some kind of program mm -hmm. that we could do a voucher program. Yeah. Um, so my child's school is a very private, low enrollment school, mm -hmm. and they utilize that UPK program yeah. to the extent, because if it wasn't for the UPK program, they probably wouldn't be able to keep their doors open because right. that helps with a lot of funding. So if I can figure out a way to allow me to say, okay, well, my child is better in private school or a public school, a smaller setting. I'd like to be able to have the money that they're going to allocate towards the public schools yeah. and push that into the private schools. You know, I just had uh, a couple months ago, about a month ago, Corey DeAngelis on, who is, I would say he's at the forefront of the modern day school choice movement. And okay. he has been looking at state legislatures and city councils, now mostly in red states because he knows he can get them through a, a little easier. But he's been going state by state and trying to figure out where he can get universal school choice vouchers in places and all That's that. That's great. And it's what it does is, and what you see is it creates, I keep saying the free market, but really it creates maximum choice for parents. Right. So parents can look and say, you know what, if the public school is doing well, I want to send my child to the public school. But if it's not doing well, now I have the option and I'm not hindered potentially by what I have, mm -hmm. but I have the option to send my child to parochial school, to yeshiva school, if you're Jewish, yes. to homeschool, to have the funding to do that. Right. Um, so choice in, in education, I agree. I think it's so important. It is. And every student doesn't fit in the typical public school setting. Yeah. And even my child's school, she, it's perfect for her. But mm -hmm. I think that if she needed some extra services, I would have to remove her from that school if she'd have to go to a different type of school. Right. So, and not every student fits into that, like you said, cookie cutter little form. And yeah. So we've mentioned funding the police. We've mentioned upzoning, education, tent city. I mean, th that seems to be when I think about like uh, kitchen table issues that mm -hmm. I would talk about. Certainly with my wife specifically, we would definitely be talking about quality of life. Yes, of course. And our police we talk about education almost every single day in terms of what that's going to look like for our daughter going forward. Uh, any other issues you'd want to touch on in particular outside of that? I mean, it seems like you hit kind of the ma the main ones that uh, that I certainly have been that's aware of. That's pretty much the main focus of our community. Yeah. How has the Adams administration affected your community, helped, hurt your thoughts? I feel like he has his own agenda mm -hmm. and it doesn't align with my community and my own values, right. which is, is not a good thing mm -hmm. because the things that he wants and he wants to implement and he wants housing and building and we're going to be affected by it. And mm -hmm. we, we don't want that right. to an extent we don't want it. Mm -hmm. And he just is pushing for it. Yeah. How would you push back on that? I am a very logical person mm -hmm. and I know that I have to work across party lines mm -hmm. and I'm looking to build relationships with people. Mm -hmm. Um, to get what we need in our community done. And I'm looking to work together with people, what, what it is that we have to do, because what's going to happen in my community is very easily going to happen in other city council districts. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, uh, this is a little bit off the political side. Tell me a little bit about the petitioning process, because I think for, for people that don't know, really, okay. I mean, you're going out in March, which it could be very cold. You get some nice days, but it could be very, very cold in March and people are going out there. And I was, I was always humbled uh, as a candidate to have people out there carrying papers for me, asking other people to sign. Tell me about what that process was like for you and going through that. It was not easy. Yeah, <laughs> it was not easy um, I, because I did have the support of the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit easier for the Republican line. Right. I had people to go out with me when I couldn't always make it. Right. They went out on their own for right. the district. Um, for the conservative line, it was a little tough mm -hmm. because it was me and Kevin. Right. He is the conservative and he had a 
be with me on every signature. Mm-hmm. And there's not that many conservatives in my community. Yeah. So it, it was tough. I only had a few doors slammed in my face, which is fine. <laughs> that's pretty, that's yeah, not bad. Yeah, yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't fine. <laughs> Everybody was pretty receptive. I, I, I have such a nice community. People invited me in for coffee. They were like, do you want to stay for dinner? I didn't know these people. Yeah. One guy who was like, he was a friend of a friend. And he's like, oh, yeah, come on. And then older guy and his wife were there. We're like, just finished dinner. Do you want anything? Can we give you anything? And that's what Throg's Neck is. Right. That's what Morris Park is. Mm-hmm. That is the type of people that we have in our community. Yeah. You know, some people say the petitioning process may be a little antiquated. They may be right about that. But I will say, I think it does show a candidate's resolve Yes. in terms of you can get your name on that ballot, go through the whole process, do all that, figure out how to organize. I think it shows your right. resolve to, right. uh, th- that you're committed to your community. And now I'm also working a full-time job. Yeah. Wow. And I have a, a daughter that I have to take care of. So yeah. after I get home from work and pick her up from school, I have to get her ready for school the next day, right. feed her something then run out to do petitions. Wow. Then come home. Hopefully she's in bed by that time. Mm -hmm. And then the whole day starts. And somewhere in there, I'm actually taking a class. So (laughs) I don't don't know how I'm getting it all done, but you just got to go. You got to fight through it. Well, that's very impressive. It's, uh, it it sounds like you have very, very limited hours. Yeah. And and you got to maximize it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else that you'd like New Yorkers to know about you? I have the strength and energy to fight for our community. I will be the one to listen to our our community, regardless of your gender, your age, your religion. I feel like I am District 13, and I'm looking forward to represent us the way that we need to be represented. I want to listen to everybody in my community the way that they deserve. That's great. How how can people follow you? How could they donate to your campaign? What's your website? Do you do social media or not? Um, uh, I have a social media. It's okay. Christy Marmorado okay. on Facebook. And I think- and just, They always spell my name wrong. So okay. why don't it's, you spell your name for them as Christy, well? Christy, K-R-I-S-T-Y, yeah. Marmorado, M-A-R-M-O-R, ATO. Yeah. By the way, just uh, I, I'll let you complete that again. I've actually seen my name spelt wrong on a campaign ad before. Oh, this was back in 1993. Okay. So it was on the West Side Highway. They ended up uh, uh, switching up the U and the I, okay. but they got it right. Okay. Sorry. Okay. S- say it again. Okay. K R I S T Y M A R M O R A T O. And my website is Christy, K R I S T Y, for F O R N Y dot com. For N Y. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> so over the next couple of months between now and primary day, yes. what's uh, what's kind of the plan? Are there are there events? To, what, what's it what's it looking like for the next, uh, let's say, six to eight weeks? There's a couple of events that I have to show too. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's just getting out there and meeting people. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'm I'm trying to have fun with this whole process. So what I did is I have a little voter outreach program that I'm doing with my friends and I order them pizzas, have wines, and I make them go through the list. And I tell them, and we laughed. We we did it (laughs) one night. We laughed. Oh, this one doesn't live there. That one got divorced. So this one moved (laughs) away. And we really had fun with it. And they gave me a list of people who they're going to personally reach out to on my behalf. So I'm I'm really enjoying that. I'm really enjoying doing that with other groups of friends. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, I have different groups of friends in different communities um, and just getting out and walking. Mm -hmm. Walking is probably the most important thing for me. I want to ring bells and shake hands and kiss some babies. There you go. That's good. (laughs) That's, uh, you know, it it really is. And they say it, it's cliche, but it's really true. Politics is personal. And and if you can personally get to, you obviously 
don't you can't get to know every single person no. in your district. But you know, the fact that you have people that you know that are willing to then go and engage for you and you're willing to engage yourself. Yes. Yes. I think that's so important yes. in this process. And also if you're elected for for yourself as somebody who's going to be representing a group of constituents uh on the level of a city council. Right. And and I tell my friends, I'm like, if these people you reach out to want to meet up, let's go for coffee. I will come to their house, whatever it is that they need to hear from me to get them on board. Well, Christy, thank you very much for coming today. I wish you the best of luck thank you so over much. the next uh, few weeks and months. And and, uh, and and we will see where this all ends up. Thank you. There you go. And I look forward to helping my community. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, if you'd like to support Christy Marmorado, please feel free to go there and do that and follow her on social media and you'll see where she'll be next. And we'll be seeing you right back here next week. <laughs>